Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk with Elizabeth Johnston, the activist mommy, about how to raise children in the culture of death. Hope you're blessed as you listen to this episode. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. I have with me today the activist mommy, Elizabeth Johnston, and she's going to share her heart about raising your children in the culture of death. When we talk about the culture of death, you know, primarily this is a this is a pro-life podcast. We're talking about the issue of abortion in light of the gospel. And so we're going to focus on that issue, and her heart is, you know, toward that issue of saving babies and proclaiming the gospel. But also might touch on even some other larger cultural issues because we we live in a culture of death. So mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna get into some of the the nitty gritty of that. But introduce yourself just real quick on you know people probably know you. They've heard the activist mommy thing and they've seen some of your your information <laughs> or some of your social media stuff out there. But introduce yourself and yeah, and- my name is Elizabeth Johnston and I've been married for twenty years, and my husband and I have been blessed to uh, give birth to. Actually, 16 children, six have gone on to be with the Lord, uh, were miscarried, and we have 10 living children. Okay. And uh, we have really raised our children on uh, the front lines of abortion clinics long before I was ever the activist mommy. Okay. We've been taking our children to abortion clinics ever since I've been married. Yeah. And uh, going and praying and offering help and hope to the women, men and women going in. And uh, honestly... It's one of the greatest things we could have ever done as a family to teach our children uh, the difference between right and wrong, teach our children what's important in life, show our children uh, what happens when you live a broken and sinful life, how sin uh, leads to brokenness and how you want to avoid that in your life, Um, teaching our children to be compassionate. Uh, toward those who are in broken situations and hard situations. Honestly, so much of that has been learned on the sidewalks outside abortion clinics these last 20 years. It's not something you can just teach with a book. Yeah. You know, you have to show and, and not just tell. Yeah. And that's one of the greatest ways parents today can be involved in a life-changing ministry and at the same time be changing the lives of their children yeah, for sure. all eternity. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you sort of jumped right in there. You started talking <laughs> about bringing your kids. You have 10 kids, yes. and you're bringing these 10 kids out to an abortion clinic. And some people think, you know, it's no, no problem to me. My kids have been raised in front of an abortion clinic, too. But some people who are listening might think, you know, and that's, that's, that's a little extreme. Mm-hmm. You know, we teach our kids, you know, abortion's bad, but to take them out to an abortion clinic, mm. that's sort of like, you know, that's taking it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Well, what would you say to people who sort of, that's that's a barrier for them, like, I'm not going to take my kids to an abortion clinic. Well, <coughs> abortion clinics are the darkest place yeah. in any city, and they need the light of the gospel more than any place in the city. And so uh, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to have your children there learning how to minister hope and minister the gospel to people. You know, we we named our 10th child after a woman named Eva Adel, who survived a concentration camp uh, as a child. And now she's in her 80s, and she's actually been arrested many times uh, for her pro-life work here in in America uh, once she had moved here. But 
Eva talks about how she wishes so much that um, when she was suffering in a concentration camp and a brutal, brutal suffering. Yeah. Um, can't, wouldn't even be able to discuss the suffering here on your podcast. She talks about how she wishes so much that Christians, not a couple of Christians, but Christians by the thousands, had laid their bodies on the train tracks that were carting um, people made in the image of God yeah. off to these concentration camps. How she wished that they had sacrificed because, you know, the, the authorities wouldn't have cared if it had been two people laying on the yeah, tracks. Sure. But if thousands had, had come to their aid in unity uh, as the body of Christ, so many lives would have been saved. And so, you know, I don't want my children to ask me 20 years from now when abortion is outlawed, just like slavery is outlawed now. And, and, and they ask me, Mom, Dad, what did you do? Yeah. You know, they, were they really killing babies on Main Street? Yeah. They were actually doing that. Imagine, imagine it's outlawed 20 years from now and it's unthinkable. We can't even fathom that this is happening. Just like we can't fathom, you know, kidnapping people and, and, you know, putting chains around their necks and their feet right now. We can't fathom this. There's going to be a day, Lord willing, that we're going to have this same victory over abortion. Amen. When our children ask us, what were you doing? when they were killing babies. And all you can say is, well, I was going to work every day and I was voting Republican and I was going to church on Sunday. I mean, don't we want to be able to say that we did more than that, that we were willing to risk a little something for the sake of these people made in the image of God. And that's what these babies are inside their mother's wombs. And so, you know, um, it's not any more dangerous than any other ministry you do outside, really, uh, sure. uh, yeah. to, to people, regardless of, of what it is. And, you know, you have a constitutional right to stand on the sidewalk and exercise your free speech rights, and you don't have to be aggressive. Uh, again, you can just come and pray. You'll be amazed if you'll yeah, just show sure. up and make yourself available. How, you know, possibly within hours you could have a woman talking to you telling you that her pimp brought her here to get an abortion and she wants help and she wants out and she doesn't want to kill her yeah. baby it's incredible the situations you'll find yeah, yourselves yeah. in the, the, the statement just show up is a is a very relevant statement when it comes to mm-hmm. to being at an abortion clinic so sort of what i hear you saying is and a lot of christian parents i mean listen as, as christian parents we need to be teaching our kids the word of god right yes. we need to be teaching our kids what jesus taught and Jesus' law, which is the law of love, love God and love your neighbor. But what I hear you saying is, is that as Christian parents, we don't just need to teach our kids that from the Bible. We do, mm-hmm. but we need to show them that where other people need to be loved, right? We, we talk about love. We talk about our desire and our need to love our neighbor. But where our neighbors are being killed, let's go love them there. Absolutely. Faith without <clears throat> works is dead. Yeah. And so how impressive is your faith to your children when they don't see works accompanying it? Yeah. And, and honestly, um, in order to be salt and light, you got to get out of your house. Yeah. How, how are you salt and light if you're never out of your house? Yeah. And, you know, I'm a part of the homeschool community. I have homeschooled every one of my children all, all the way from the beginning. Yeah. And uh, we've, you know, gone to homeschool conferences, and I'm speaking at homeschool conferences. And this is actually when you probably have homeschoolers listening to your podcast yeah. This is one of the weaknesses, I would say, in the homeschool community is that the salt is in the shaker. Yeah. And it's you not know, I, out. I like I like you bring that point up because you're, you're right. It's like we homeschool mm-hmm. to shield our kids. And, you know, listen, people talk about helicopter moms and dads and shielding our kids. We need to shield our Proud kids. Proud of it. Yeah, we need to shield <laughs> our kids from sin. No shame. Of course. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we're not 
they're going to be exposed to sin. It's just in the proper context. Yes. And so I like that you brought up in the homeschool movement, people want to shield their kids. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's people, people ask me, you bring your kids to an abortion clinic and people are cussing and, and yelling and all that. It's like, listen, my kids are going to hear cussing. It's better for me that they hear it in that context yes. than they hear it in some other context because they at least can see the distinction between light and darkness. You kind of get that same. Yeah, let them hear it in the context of mommy and daddy reproving it, of mommy yeah. and daddy, you know, shedding light on the situation and and bringing the truth to the person. Absolutely, my kids have been exposed to all kinds of things, all kinds of um, arguments, whether it be arguments for uh, sexual anarchy, arguments for abortion, arguments for evolution. Uh, we we love our children to be exposed to those things. Yeah. We're not threatened or intimidated by that right, at yeah. all. Uh, let it be in the context of you being right there with them on the front lines of, of right, these yeah. issues. And um, those things have just shaped my children into tr- really warriors. You know, my kids, my older kids, um, they are passionate about this. They're not like uninterested bystanders, you know, mom's dragging me out to the clinic. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Let me explain. They are waking me up to go to the abortion clinic. They are saying, mom, get, get your bum out of bed. Let's get out there and rescue children. Yeah. Because, you know, they've, they've felt that feeling that comes when you save a child from abortion. Yeah. I mean, it's addictive. There's nothing like yeah, sure. that feeling about of saving a life. And would you rather your kids to be addicted to Fortnite or or love that feeling so much that they get when they see a child saved from from abortion? My kids love it. And yeah. and they're not into video games and stuff because frontlines ministry is exciting. You yeah. know, there's nothing nothing better than that. And um, I, I would I would like to say that as parents, our, our, our duty is to God first and our marriage is super important and we need to um, be willing to put our children uh, first in, in very important ways and be weird in the culture if necessary. Yeah. Um, for, for the, I've only been the activist mommy for like three years, okay, <laughs> as far as that title and that platform yeah. or whatever. Um, before that, um, I never intended on being a public figure in any way. I was just a diaper bag carrying homeschool mom um, who poured everything into my children and my husband and their giftings and their passions. Yeah. And I want to say to the young mothers listening right now that that is super important and yeah. that you have to say no to a lot of things. If you want a godly, successful family, you have to say no to a lot of things that are going to pull at you in this culture, in ministry, in church. You're going to be asked to volunteer to do this and that and the other. And I've seen so many moms like segregate themselves from their children because the moms are doing all of these wonderful ministry activities, but they're not spending the time that it absolutely takes to nurture your children um, in the Lord, to train them in the word, to discipline them, to teach them to be, you know, amazing warriors for God. You've got to say no. Uh, you got to be willing to be weird if necessary. Maybe your kids aren't going to necessarily go to the youth group or the Sunday school class, and you're going to have to make hard decisions that yeah. your children won't always understand in order for you to do what you believe is best for their, their souls and best for their upbringing. And so I just want to say to the younger moms listening that don't feel guilty that you're 
you're not doing all the stuff that I'm doing right now. I'm in a different season of life where I've got all these older children who are helping me. I would have never done, I repeat, I would have never done what I'm doing right now if I just had four or five little stair-step young children. Yeah. Um, I poured everything into those young children, and it has everything to do with where I am right now as a parent and how we're all now working together in in ministry. It has everything to do with any success that I have had and and uh, don't feel guilty don't don't go out and save the world and lose your children your children have to be before the world yeah yeah that's one of the things that we make sure with our volunteers we do have some homeschool moms that are volunteers and some mm-hmm. young moms and uh and some dads too and we make sure hey listen your first ministry is to your family yes. if you have to neglect that to come out here Mm-mm. then you're not you shouldn't be out here right and so you know that's that's a good word good in, good encouragement but this, you know, this battle, you know, not just in front of the abortion clinic, because you're involved in more than that. You're doing stuff nationally. You're speaking nationally. Uh, you did the day of mourning. I did want to bring the mm-hmm. day of mourning uh, thing up in New York when the governor and the, the legislature there passed some of the most radical pro-abortion mm-hmm. legislation ever. Speak a little bit about your burden with that, that event, the day of mm-hmm. mourning thing, and just, uh, you know, a little bit of how the Lord— uh, mm-hmm progress that thing because that was that was an amazing uh, yeah. movement yeah, it was a pivotal <clears throat> moment in our nation um, I think that a sleeping church suddenly woke up yeah it shouldn't have taken that we should be just as outraged at a five-week-old in the uterus being murdered as a 40-week-old baby being yeah. murdered but unfortunately uh, because of the lethargy and the compromise in the church this is what it took and so when Governor Cuomo signed that outrageous piece of infanticide legislation, and, and all of pro-abortion legislation is outrageous, I should yeah. add, um, this, this particularly upset the sensibilities of Americans and yeah. of believers. And so there was a huge outcry, and there was, there was a huge cry even to me individually, Elizabeth, what are we going to do about this yeah. from people who, who follow what I do? And, and uh, we prayed about it, and I, I uh, got a team together and said, you know, what, what, what is our response to this? What should God's people's response be to this? And we just said, you know, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, morning, yeah. morning, repenting, sackcloth and ashes, and apologizing to the Lord for what we've done. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... And only then will I hear from heaven and uh, forgive their sins and heal their land. And we all know that we desperately need healing in our land. And uh, so that was our response. We we called for the entire nation to uh, fast and pray on that day in uh, February. And we also held a large service in Albany, New York, right in the belly of the beast there where yeah. the legislation was signed at the state house. And wow, Daniel, I know you watched via live stream here. What a powerful uh, anointed time and the, the way the yeah. Holy Spirit uh, was with us as we cried out to God. And we've seen a lot of legislation uh, and, and a lot of pushback come after that and a lot of people going out onto the front lines to pray and to offer help to men and women as a result of yeah. the day of mourning and what happened. Yeah, I think you know, somebody said <clears throat> that in that legislation um, and then the other just several pieces of pro, radical pro-abortion legislation mm-hmm. that came out, it's like the devil overplayed his hand and, yes. and God's people uh, got stirred up. Um, of course, our prayers that that continues not just a one time thing. Absolutely. Yeah, we've had we've seen an influx in people who are want to be involved with us as a ministry, and, uh, awesome. and I think nationally we've seen attention. I'm sure you've gotten some 
some feedback uh, on your Facebook and social media and all yeah. that from people who are just stirred up and they're, they're yes. you know, they've been in the dark or not in the dark maybe, but just been asleep for a while. Yes. And they're just waking up to these to these things. And during the day of morning, we uh, work together on a website called yeah. sidewalksforlife.com yeah. with the number four, sidewalksforlife.com. It's um, a good plug in there. Yeah, in which we're trying to provide resources and training, even video training that we have there on the website. And yeah. you help, we, we work together on that because we, we realized, you know, what are we going to do with all these people? Like right, almost yeah. 4,000 people came. We're calling you to action, but to we don't the have Albany, an action New York, point. Yeah, yeah, to the Albany, New York day of morning. And 40,000 were watching via live stream all yeah. at one time. And like, what do we do with all of these people who are ready to do something and put uh, feet to their their prayers yeah. of repentance and um, and so sidewalksforlife.com is a great resource for your podcast listeners to go to and get some training and even what to say and what not to say when you're out there uh, it's a great resource yeah. and it help you feel a little more comfortable if you've never been out to an abortion clinic before yeah so I think we've touched on the activist part a lot <laughs> and I think we could probably touch on a lot more of that you know talking about the the LGBTQXYZ3PO mm. agenda and how you how you fought that sort of thing, um, but I want to talk about the mommy part. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned some of that and, and with that just uh, awesome uh, encouragement for moms to do the main thing. But what does it look like on a day to day basis mm-hmm. for an activist mommy for a, for a mother? <clears throat> like many Christian moms, like every right. Christian mom who's passionate about the stuff that Jesus is passionate about, yeah. and is passionately opposed to the things the devil's trying to push, but mm-hmm. but really day to day they've got kids that they've got to they've got to tend to and they've got to train and they've got to teach and that's their first ministry. What does that look like on a day to day basis? I mean, I'm not talking about break down your day and what yeah. cereal you eat in the morning that kind of thing, <laughs> but just you know just kind sure. of nuts and bolts. You know, moms are amazing. <clears throat> Moms are multitaskers. Nobody can multitask like a mom. Yeah. And honestly, I can change a diaper, cook up some bacon, and organize a drag queen story hour protest faster than most men can probably read one email. Yeah, probably. probably. I, mean, I, I don't mean for that to come across the wrong way, but there's something about moms mm-hmm. um, that they really do have a knack for multitasking. And so that's what the activist mommy is doing. Yeah. She is... Uh, cooking for her children in the kitchen, uh, reading emails, sitting down on the couch. I am working with my young ones who can't read real fluently yet. So we're still working on phonics and we're adding and subtracting with their school books. And while I'm doing that, I may be taking a couple phone calls. And then, you know what, come 12 o'clock, I may be telling my 17-year-old, will you watch the children? I have a quick interview and I run into the bathroom and hide and I do a quick interview Mm -hmm. for 15 minutes. Then I come back out and, you know, we're we're continuing on with our day. Um, I personally make sure that my homeschooling functions without me mostly, that the children work very independently on their schooling. I pick things that do not require a lot of me because of this season that I'm in, whereas used to in the the first 10, 15 years of homeschooling, you know, my homeschool day might have lasted most of the day until two o'clock or something. Whereas now the only ones that need me are like the, the 
five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And the rest of them are all doing all of their school independently. Uh, it's amazing yeah. how, how easy it is to make your homeschool work that way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you don't have to grade papers every day. It's something you can do once a week, once a month. Um, you can utilize programs that do the grading themselves so yeah. you don't have to do that. There's so many amazing resources out there where you can have your children at home. You can be... Um, training them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You can be protecting them from the absolute evil insanity that they're getting exposed to in the public schools. You can be doing all of that. And at the same time, you know, you could be um, maybe going to your school board meeting that evening to fight the transgender bathroom policy in your yeah. in your school. And you can do it as a family. And I highly encourage you, take your kids to do these things with you. That is, I don't know why parents think they have to go do these things without their children. No, you want your kids in tow. Yeah. These experiences are life-changing. They will never forget seeing their mom stand up at the at the school board meeting and and fight for truth you know yeah. don't miss those life-changing moments take them with you there's so many things you could do and i would just say do what it is that god has laid on your heart we are all a different part of the body of christ someone's the pinky someone's the you know the nose and do what he's laid on your heart Maybe you need to run for school board. Maybe you need to deal with an issue at the city council. Uh, maybe you need to be at the soup kitchen. Whatever it is that God has put on your heart, be obedient in that thing. Don't fear and be obedient. And and it's like David when he when he slayed the lion and the bear, you know, with his bare hands, and and he used his faith, encouraging God to do those things. And then God said, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you Goliath." Yeah. You know, if you'll be obedient in those little things. You might be amazed in just a few short years, which is what I have seen happen to me, not yeah. asking for this to happen, how God might bring giants to yeah. slay your way if you'll just be faithful. He's looking for faithfulness. I mean, be faithful in the nursing, the midnight nursing, and the diaper changes. There's not one diaper change you do that God isn't seeing. He's yeah. seeing every bit of your mundane, boring faithfulness around the house or what maybe you're you're a working woman whatever the situation is he sees your faithfulness be courageous when he gives gives you something something's burning on your heart and man you know you better watch out because god's about yeah. to do great things Amen. with you so so i hear you saying um you know find out where god has called you <clears throat> and you correct me if i'm wrong about this mm -hmm. but bring your kids along yes always i think in our society and even the church. The church probably is one of the most segregated entities on the face mm -hmm. of the planet. You know, we segregate you know, based on race. We segregate even if within our programs based on you know, male and female mm -hmm. and age group and all that stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. Some of that stuff, I guess, can be appropriate, and there can be appropriate times to have you know, men's Bible studies or whatever. But for the most part, it seems to me that we need to be serving together yes. and doing stuff together. And when you have a mom who, you know, sometimes the husband, listen, mm -hmm. sometimes men have to work nine to five and just can't be there and involved in all those things. But right. when I see you guys and I, mean, I see your family doing stuff on a regular basis, it's like you take <laughs> everybody that you can and everybody's You see the 15 passenger van <laughs> yeah. pull up. That's Absolutely. right. Because this is like we're serving God together as a family. Um, yeah. Sort of, if you can, speak to that mentality yeah. and how to sort of, because it is, you know, we live in a culture of death. And I wanted to kind of get to that point. 
where we're talking about a culture of death, we're talking mm. about a culture who basically sees children as a burden yeah. and sees uh, you know, pregnancy as a disease. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we, even in the church, people have embraced this mentality. How do you, how do you yes. cast that mentality off and say, you know what? I think having 10 children is a blessing, not a burden. Yes. How do, how do you throw that thing off and just walk in uh, what God's Word says, children are a blessing from the Lord, Yes. and embrace, I think, a biblical mentality that you know, we need to be serving as a family and children are an asset rather than a, a, a hindrance. It takes effort. Yeah. It takes energy because what it is is completely swimming against the current in, to do this. Yeah, even if in Christian society. In though, Christian circles I'm yeah. talking about. If you are not willing to swim against the current, even in the church, uh, you this this is one way where you'll just be like everyone else. Yeah. And so definitely as a family, pretty much if we haven't been able to do something as a family o- o- over the first 20 years of, of our parenting, we haven't done it. Yeah. We have chosen to do ministry-related uh, activities that we can bring our children along. And even when my husband's had to travel or I've, I've had to travel, we always try to take at least one child. If it's an expensive plane ticket or something, try to take one child with it and uh, yeah. with us and let it be a, a, a time of, you know, bonding. But um, <clears throat> this is something <laughs> that was challenging for us the first 20 years. And thank God we stood our ground and we stayed the course on this because the Lord was... Um, really speaking to us about this, that we didn't want our children necessarily to be pawned off to the children's situation or the youth group. We wanted them to experience the big boy and big girl anointing in mom and dad's service. Yeah. And I think that that has an impact on, on our children. And so we were always weird. Like we, <laughs> our kids... Um, didn't go to children's church. They didn't go to youth group because not because we didn't think that the teachers were awesome. The teachers were awesome. Yeah. They were amazing. Uh, but there is something to be said for a lot of interactions that take place between peers when parents are not there supervising and when you are assuming that everything is okay. Everything's not always okay. Yeah, sure. Even at church, oftentimes your children are being exposed to things and they don't. You never hear about it. You yeah. will never know what they were exposed to. And so you're not able to counter it. You're not able to shed truth into that situation because they're not going to come to you and tell you about things that are, that are uncomfortable that they were exposed to because then they feel like they're part of the problem. They're guilty of doing something wrong. And so we always had our children with us and we were weird Yeah, because at the church, you'll be greeted by greeters telling you right where to take your children. Mm-hmm. And we would always, with a big smile on our face, politely say, okay, thank you very much. And then we would march our children right there in with us to services. I can remember very distinctly being a part of a small group. You know how churches have home groups yeah. and small groups throughout the week. And we always <clears throat> tried to be a part of a small group if a church offered that. Being a part of these small groups where... We would go with our children in tow, even if that meant you've got to entertain them a little bit. you got to have coloring books and crayons and things to keep them quiet while the Bible study is going on. And no one else ever had their children. Yeah. Not even their teenagers. The teenagers were maybe at a, at a youth group. Kids were with a babysitter or somewhere else, maybe at some children's thing. And the kids are never there. 
care. Yeah. And we were always the only ones with our children. And um, I just, I think it's one of the best decisions, honestly, yeah. that we made as parents and has shaped our, you know, my kids are very, you can attest to this, my children are very comfortable around adults, yeah. right? Yeah. Very conversational, um, confident around adults. And I think that when you're always putting children with other children, it's not natural for children yeah, to be sure. comfortable around adults. And, and we, we should be training our children for um, a future and how it's going to be in the workplace or in ministry. And so that was a weird thing that we did, and it was definitely against the current, even in the body of Christ. Yeah. And I think it was a very important decision and one that we continue to operate in. You know, we go to we go to a family integrated church, as some would call it, where the children are, are in the service with the parents and um, feeling the same anointing and getting yeah. the same type of teaching. And I, I, that's what I want for my kids. Yeah. So it takes, you know, I, you know, I would say from my experience and what you share with me, it takes some intentionality. Absolutely. And again, not just flowing with the with the current of society. And, you know, as it you know, pertains to the issue of abortion and not just teaching your kids that abortion is bad, but teach them. Because here, here's, here's my thinking is, we don't just teach our kids something it's bad. We teach them how to address the, the issue, right? Yes. So this is not just a bad thing, let's stay away from it. This is a bad thing, and we are called to address it. And so yeah. what I hear you saying is like take some intentionality yes. to sow in our kids' lives, um, to help our kids to be the salt. You mentioned before, you know, so many in the homeschool movement or whatever, the salt is still in the shaker. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about, well, we need to be intentional about getting it out, right? Yes. Getting the salt out of the shaker in our, in our families. What are some, like, I don't know, just practical things, mm-hmm. just basic practical stuff that people can do for their kids um, in their personal life, too, mm-hmm. and, 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 of course, in their family life, to, uh, to be countercultural, but, yes. but really to be going against the grain, but only mm-hmm. because society is going against God's grain. Yes, yes. <laughs> Well, what we were just speaking about is one issue in which we see how even the church is allowing some anti-child thinking okay. to seep in, right? Now, the kids go over here, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're not with us in, in, the, in the big service, you know. So there, that, that, in a lot of ways, can be, not always, but can be rooted in an anti-child mentality. Yeah. And so we... Um, you know what? If you don't like us being with our kids, then we're not going to be involved in what you're doing. You know, yeah. I'm like our kids are a part of the package. If we go, they go. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and so uh, that that's important, I think, as a family. Um, obviously, living the Christian life in a real way in your home on a 24/7 basis yeah. has to be there. If if you're living a hypocritical life, if your kids see one thing on Sunday and another thing throughout the week. Um, you're you're going to fail as yeah. a parent. It's going to be a very very toxic um, in your ability to try to ever speak into your child's life because yeah. they will lose all respect for you. And so, uh, consecrating yourself to God and and being faithful to God twenty four seven and letting your children you know what apologizing to your children. Yeah, yeah. I was going to mention that because you know we we sort of put out there. There's these principles. You read mm-hmm. the books, right? Yes. I've read the 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 training manuals for kids. You know yes. how to train your kids and and all that stuff. And it's like we almost take this mentality in that you know we need to be perfect and we want to show any weakness. But one of the things I've learned, and, and I think mm-hmm. you're about to hit that point, is like repenting to your kids yes. sometimes does more than even like 
having it, pretending at least to have it all in the road. Absolutely. They've, they've got to see that you um, struggle with the flesh just mm-hmm. like they do, but that you, when you struggle with it, you do what God expects you to do. Yeah. You repent and you get restored, you know, if you mistreat someone. Um, for, for me, it's normally losing my patience with my children. Yeah. So the activist mommy yes. loses her patience yes. with her children? Yes. Wow. You know, for me, it would be raising my voice in my children. Yeah. And so then needing to go back and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Um, and yeah, eat crow, eat a little bit of crow. You know, your, your child will respect that they see you walking out a genuine faith in Jesus Christ right. and a desire to be a good parent. And they will understand that you're going to fail and they will come back to those moments, you know, when they screw up, when they sin and they are at a crossroads of deciding, how am I going to respond to this sin in my life? They'll come back to those moments that they saw mom and dad repent. And so, yeah, this isn't like some kind of fake, um, you know, air you put up yeah. that that you're perfect. I'm talking about genuine love for God, day in and day out, trying to do your best for God, and that also will always <laughs> include at times having to repent to the Lord yeah. or repent to people in your life. Sure. Do you feel like? Um, and, I, and I know you'll agree with me. So it's, it's kind of like a, 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 <laughs> a softball. A softball. <laughs> but your relationship with your husband. We had, we we've mentioned him a little bit. <laughs> Dr. Johnston. Yes. <laughs> Do you feel like that that relationship, you know, I've told people that relationship, the husband and wife relationship is the most important relationship in your kids' lives, yes. right? Apart from obviously our relationship with the Lord, because right. that relationship, the husband and wife relationship, isn't going to be what it needs to be unless we're in line with the Lord. But the husband and wife relationship and just doing practical stuff there, mm-hmm. you find the investment there also pays off in in the children's lives? Oh, my goodness, so much. I mean, my husband and I both come from broken families. And, and, you know, we really said we planned on the family tree looking different from our marriage on. (laughs) And uh, both of our parents were divorced. And so it's something that you have to really, really work hard at. And obviously, 10 children brings, you know, everyday stress into your life. Um, and as kids get older and are dealing with bigger things and bigger issues and life decisions, and I haven't even entered grandparent stage yet. I, as I enter that stage, I can't even fathom how much I'm going to have to be yeah. on my knees for grandbabies yeah. and, and, uh, and for my children. Uh, but yes, the, the marriage relationship, I would say definitely try to have a one night a week. Yeah. Um, or day, whatever the situation is for you, a, a time a week where you have a date with your with your spouse and just decompress and focus on you. that means like you. upscale restaurant? No, no. Stuff. It can be PB&J in the backyard if necessary, yeah. if there's not a babysitter. Just an intentional attempt. Uh, and we've done it at home before. We've we've done something in our bedroom, you know, cook a meal and, and have Just a candlelight meal. Yep. yep, and shut the door. And kids, you're watching yeah. a video, whatever. Uh, doesn't have to be fancy. Just an intentional effort to have conversation more than where are we going, what are we doing, you know, yeah. <laughs> doctor's appointments, whatever. Uh, intentional connection with yeah. your spouse is, is super important. And, yes, um, obviously... Um, if, if children see a, a broken marriage, it, it can have a devastating effect on their lives. And yeah. my husband and I have had to work very, very hard and be, be very intentional about our marriage. Um, it's, it's not been easy. And marriage is really the hardest ministry you will ever encounter. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and then second <clears throat> to that would be your children. 
and they are our most important ministry. And like I said before, if we're failing at those, um, and as as the word teaches, if 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 we can't um, handle our own house, you know, who are we to, to try to be leaders in the house of God? Yeah. And so that that has to be our focus. Yeah. So, you know, we, we talked about again the the culture of death and mentioned Psalm 127, children are a blessing mm-hmm. from the Lord. And I think, you know, you mentioned about coming from a broken home and coming from you know, divorced parents, your, mm-hmm. your husband's parents were divorced. I feel like that the, the spirit of divorce, like the no-fault divorce sort of thing, is, is a part of that culture of death. Yes. Right? This is like a, the, the culture that, when I say culture of death, I mean, you tell me what you think mm-hmm. this means. But to me, it's like the chipping away of the image of God. Yes. It's the devaluing of human beings, which is what we see at an abortion clinic, but it's also what we see uh, nationally mm-hmm. um, when we're talking about abortion, but also when we're talking about the transgender confusion, mm-hmm. divorce, we're talking about you know, homosexual, quote, marriage, yes. and that sort of thing. Um, but define for me, just give me kind of your take on, on the culture of death. Mm-hmm. And as you know, we're teaching our kids, obviously, to be in, in the Word and to know the Lord, and that's countercultural because mm-hmm. we live in a culture of death. Um, so, so talk about the culture of death and the influence that that can have on kids. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, how maybe you've seen some of your kids overcome some of that garbage. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> Satan obviously is um, going to do everything he can and pull out all the stops to attack uh, really the greatest institution uh, ever yeah. designed by our creator. And that's the institution of marriage. Yeah. Um, he's going to attack the the one woman one man family, mm-hmm. um, and that is what we we are seeing. Uh, we're seeing this attack through, um, obviously, uh, Obergefell versus Hodges when it was uh, the Supreme Court decision. I believe in 2015 uh, was a massive, massive defeat for the natural family and yeah. for the uh, God's God's design and intention yeah, for, that was for the marriage. Homosexual quote marriage. That was case. yes, yes. And you know, <clears throat> we warned, we warned if we go down this road, uh, mark our words, <laughs> we will be seeing so much more evil. It will, it's like a dam of protection was broken yeah. in our nation and all manner of evil is now just flowing out and and just taking over our culture and you know to the to the point that now people can't figure out if they're a man or a woman yeah. and we've got 200 pound men in the private bathrooms and shower rooms and locker rooms of our little girls and just such uh, depravity and now pedophilia is yeah. honestly but this isn't conspiracy theory this isn't Alex Jones infowars information <laughs> yeah. this is now becoming mainstream that there is now a push for pedophilia in culture and to say you know what it's just uh, it's just my preference just like yeah. homosexual I was born that way I'm born preferring children uh, this is actually happening yeah. in our nation I mean Sodom and Gomorrah the the times of Rome and and what happened to Rome it was destroyed yeah. and we are no greater I mean, we are ripe for catastrophic judgment if we do not repent of our sin, repent of this, you know, murder that we're allowing to take place in our nation and, uh, st- you know, really experience a widespread revival, spiritual revival in our land. Uh, we're in, in deep, deep trouble. And so, um, yeah, there's, there's obviously a real attack on, on family. And uh, we've just got to make sure as God's people that we are being, like you said, very intentional about protecting 
our family first uh, from the onslaught of the enemy and evil. And you know what? One of the ways that really hits us right now as parents is through social media and yeah. through internet and through things that your children are able to access. Yeah. And I just want to say um, that no one within the sound <clears throat> of my voice should have any child on any device in their home that is not protected by something very, very strong that yeah. provides um, not only screening, but accountability for you as parents. And for us personally, we've always used uh, covenant eyes. Okay. Um, we have had issues in our, in our family. We have had struggles. I have caught things. Um, children have confessed things to me uh, without being caught. Um, my kids are real, just like everybody else's, yeah. okay? And because of that, I love covenant eyes. Um, it is a small fee every month. And it, we have like six devices on Covenant Eyes. And what it does is if your child um, or anyone, husband, wife, tries to click on something where Covenant Eyes is installed and it is blocked, you will get an email telling you what was blocked. Yeah. And then it allows you to have that accountability conversation and find out what's going on. Why did you try to click that? You know, yeah. And find out what's going on in their heart, that parental conversation that needs to happen. Um, but seriously... Seriously, if you do not have your computers protected, uh, devices, phones in your home, this is absolute negligence as a parent. I cannot express this strongly enough because... Who, what kind of parent would allow their children to carry around a Playboy magazine all day and all night in their hand? Yeah. That is what our children are doing with these cell phones that that have internet. That is what they're doing when you think they're doing school on their computers. If you don't have your um, computer protected, I know you think your child's an angel. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're not. Trust me. They're vulnerable. I appreciate you bringing that that subject up because that is a, you know, it still, still ties into the culture of death sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, The whole pornography Mm. epidemic. Mm. And, you know, some have said, you know, I think I agree that if pornography didn't exist, then abortion probably wouldn't exist. Mm. Because, you know, these young men are spurred with with Mm -hmm. feelings and emotions and, and, you know, to do things they normally at certain ages wouldn't be doing, wouldn't Mm. be thinking about. But these images and all this stuff like sin always takes you further than you than you really wanted to go. Yes. Um, and so I appreciate you bringing that. It's point all up very connected. A, yeah, yeah, very it, it's all interconnected, and and with the whole you know, sexual revolution sort of thing and, and all of this, you know, it's rooted in sort of a, a godless mentality mm-hmm. that God really is deleted from uh, from society and really has no bearing on things, and it has to do with. Um, rebellion, obviously mm-hmm. against God for those who have that mentality. Um, and then it always manifests itself in attacking the image of God, mm-hmm. Attach, attacking human beings. Pornography is an oh, attack on the image of God. The worst kind of misogynistic exploitation, yeah. you know, and, and to think that the radical feminists out there who are always throwing around those terms like misogyny yeah, and yeah, exploitation, sure. you know, uh, and they are typically very pro-pornography yeah, and weird, call that free speech. And, yeah, it's very hypocritical because it's a terrible type of exploitation. And now we have um, uh, a massive 
uh, portion percentage of the population that is completely addicted yeah. uh, to sex, addicted to pornography, addicted to sexual anarchy, and uh, more and more so that pornography is very violent and it is um, even pedophilic in nature. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> much destruction has come through through not uh, being aggressive at shutting that down. But parents, you can do your part at least until you know while your children are in your home. Yeah. Um, to to train your children, not just you. Obviously, you've got to train them to want God. You've got yeah. to train them to want to be used of God and to want to have pure hearts and to want holiness. Um, that's that's a massive part of it. But the truth is, um, you've got to do both. You've yeah. got to not only train them to avoid sin and to see the the terrible um, results of sin. You also need to provide that accountability, and because let's just face it, none of us—if if we had been had the opportunity to do some of the things and be exposed to some of the things in our youth that children are ex- oh, allowed yeah. to be exposed to today—you know—we know that our lives very well might have been very different yeah. than they are now. Oh, I can only imagine if I had, you know, a mini pocket computer that I could carry around everywhere. When I was a young teenager, right. who knows the garbage? Oh. You know, I was already exposed to garbage. Right. Not exposed. I went after it myself. But, right. Um, man, that's just, yeah. That, it's, that's, it's effortless now. And yeah. again, I say parental negligence. Yeah. If you are not making sure that all the devices in your home are, are uh, locked down sufficiently. Again, it takes energy. It takes effort. You cannot be lazy yeah. about parenting. Um, y- laziness will will end up resulting in a lot of disappointment for you. Yeah, a lot of pain for you. Ultimately, the energy put in is so worth it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, seeing my kids be passionate about serving the Lord and leading in ministry now, and saying no to evil, it is so worth. All of the swimming against the current swimming that I did. Yeah. yeah, you know, going with the current, just kind of sitting in the lazy river of life is the easy way to do it. But those are not the people that we remember in human history who just right. kind of went with the uh, the tide and went with the, the currents. The You're people right. that swam against it. And we, we need to do that as parents on sort of a, a, a micro level, you know, and then the Lord can do it. I mean, I look at a, a, the life of a woman like Susanna Wesley. Mm. If you've ever read her life yes. with how many kids they have, like 14 or something. Yes. And she raises two of the most godly men, mm. Charles and John Wesley, uh, that, that we remember in history. And she did some difficult stuff, you yes. know. And I'm sure there was a lot of battles in the house and a lot of stuff, mm. you know, going on behind the scenes. But we remember somebody like that. We remember the impact that her kids had. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think it gives us some fuel for the fire mm-hmm. and in the mundane stuff. Because that's yes. really where the rubber meets the road. The mundaneness life you know you'll probably leave here and change some diapers when you get home you still have kids in diapers <laughs> i have one in pull-ups one in pull-ups uh, my, yeah that's where we're at too my yeah. youngest is three uh, yeah. she's in nighttime pull-ups so. okay yeah that's where we're at too it's, it's sort of a, it's sort weird, of a weird not to have a lot of diapers it, isn't it is it? it's it's nice it's weird but it's also it's kind of sad too I it guess. won't take long though you're gonna have grandbabies yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you never know right um well i appreciate you coming and sharing is there anything else you want to you want to touch on before we wrap this thing up I just say, going back to what I said earlier about being faithful in the small things and in the mundane things, that should always be our priority. Yeah. Whether someone's watching or whether they're not, what? who are we yeah. when no one is watching? 
that should always be um, our focus and our heart's cry should just always be, you know, Lord, I don't deserve anything. You've given me salvation and I deserve hell um, in, in the lake of fire. And here you are, you've offered me salvation, you've offered me Jesus, you've offered me eternity and heaven and paradise with you. What can I do? to serve you? How can I be used in your kingdom? If that's us behind the scenes all the time, even when we're struggling in our marriage, even when we're struggling in a crisis with our children, I promise you God sees that. And you know what? You will be rewarded for that. You may be rewarded for that in this life, or it may be a reward in the next life, but it does not go unseen and it does not go unrewarded. And so be encouraged with that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, we appreciate those who have joined us and uh, hope this, this podcast was a blessing to you. Appreciate you, Elizabeth, for mm-hmm. coming and taking some time away from your, your kids and your husband to come and do this, uh, this uh, podcast with us. I uh, do want to remind you, Elizabeth brought it up earlier, the Sidewalks for Life site that we've set up, sidewalks the number four, life.com. And that has some articles about sidewalk counseling and how to get equipped doing sidewalk counseling, gospel-centered sidewalk counseling. really feel like the gospel mm-hmm. is important to, to be the focus and the thrust of our ministry to proclaim the gospel. And so information about that is there. You can connect with me, charlotte.citiesforlife.org, and just shoot me an email if you have suggestions for the podcast, subjects you want us to cover. We'd love to cover those. And if you want to connect with Elizabeth, how would they do that? Activistmommy.com has Activistmommy.com. everything. Activistmommy.com. It's all there. Follow her on Facebook. She puts posts out on a regular basis, and you know they're doing some you know, the drag queen story hour, yes. trying to get those things uh, taken out of the libraries so that that garbage is not thrust on un- right. unknowing children. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we appreciate all that you do, Elizabeth, and appreciate all those who've who've listened. Hope that you're blessed and have a good rest of your day. Use me, Lord, oh, use me, Lord. Give me. to